Some of you know that I've often said I'm from the south side of heaven. You have people inside the Senate. You have people that are supposed to be on your side. Make the decision to live and die on your turn. You are not wrong. They have to us about everything. The border, the elections. I remember America and the American gun owner are the only things standing in the way of the Great Reset. Who's got the teaching aid? Uh, you know where I'm going with this. We are fighting a war against principalities. We are fighting a war against evil. I pray that we get to look into the eyes of every single child in this country proudly that those children can look back and be proud of us, knowing that yes. we fought for them. Men, I don't talk with empty words. Those teaching aids, those are called balls. Gentlemen, I've given you back your balls. You only got one? Improvise. God's given us a chance to make it right. He's created a remnant for a reason. You are the remnant. I want you to know we're winning. God is with us. And in the end, we know how this ends. Welcome back to another episode of Conservative Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Oltman. Well, I am. Uh, I interrupted all the things that I was going to talk about today to talk about me. And so I'm just uh, going to put that out there. We're going to learn about Joe Oltman today. And the reason why I'm doing this is because I got a... You're not going to believe this. Sorry, I'm going to just give me a second to do this really quick. I know that if you're watching this podcast, you're like, the producer's like, Joe, pay attention. I wanted to send this out. I wanted as many people as possible to watch this because, frankly, it, it gets old. The, the, the left is predictable. The left is absolutely predictable. They're predictable in, in so many ways because everything that they do right now is designed to destroy those that tell the truth. And so they dig deep and they go after people and they try to come up with as many things in their past as they possibly can. Um, I had a conversation with one of the, the uh, what is it called? Uh, journalist called my sister. My sister's like, Joe, what do I tell him? I was like, whatever you want. Called my dad. I had a conversation with my dad. You know, hey, what, what can we dig up about Joe Oltman? But this one, this one's even worse, I think. So I had somebody that walked into my office and says, Joe, you need to address uh, something that uh, some ex-porn uh, star and Max McGuire are putting out there. And I was like, okay, I'll address it. And so I started to address it, and then I got attacked by people that wanted to say that that uh, somewhere along the line that I'm responsible for someone else's trans transgression. So I'm going to walk you back in time. And I'm going to talk about w this hire that I made back in 2006 with, my, w with one of my companies. Because, frankly, this is the, the left wants to do everything they can to hurt you. They want, they want you to operate your life in shame. I won't operate my life in shame. No one will ever come out and say that I sexually assaulted anyone, that I'd do anything to a child, a woman, anything. They wouldn't say that about me. They wouldn't say that I operated with, without integrity. And if they did, it's probably because I fired them or they left. 
I have a team of people, one of which was that, that runs one of the companies I'm associated with, and he's known me 20 years. Why? Why is it that I don't leave a wake of people in, in, of, of people that, that, I, that, that hate me in the lurch? Oh, I've got my share of people that I've cut loose. But this one, this one's, this one I'm going to address. So the article that was sent to me was one that happened back in 2006 when I hired a guy named Randy Ankeny. So for those of you who don't know, Randy was a GOPer. He was a GOP up-and-coming rising star. Now, the, the allegation was that somewhere along the line, I should have known all of these things about him. That uh, he had a, uh, I mean, I can probably read the article from Max's uh, Facebook page that he put it out there, or this other person. But I think, let me see here if I can go through it real quick. Let me read it to you. That in 2006, he, uh, oh, they're, they're also calling this person my right-hand man. Now, why am I addressing it? Well, first of all, I'm not responsible for the behavior of something someone did. And they didn't in 2006. Contrary to what everyone is saying, in 2006, we didn't have systems that we have today. You, didn't, you couldn't get on the internet and do research on people. And if you could, I didn't know about them. Big companies were using those technologies, but small to medium businesses weren't. And we were a small to medium business. And so I hired a guy. And the guy um, was accused of sex assault. And he went to jail. And he came to work for us. And he was a smooth-talking guy. Super smooth. He was an attorney. And he came in as the best friend of somebody else that worked for the, the company. Vetted. Until he wasn't. And so we were an up-and-coming company doing great things in 2006. Doing amazing things. This is prior to the Great Crash, which, by the way, took out a lot of people. Caused a lot of pain. Probably the most difficult part of my life. I was in my mid-20s. Late 20s, 28, I think. 20, yeah, 28. And I came from a background, just so you know, had an immense amount of success very quickly, did really well. But I came from a background that didn't have success. I came from a family, didn't know success. So I didn't have probably the, how would you say it? I didn't have the wisdom at the time. My wife, in 20 years, will probably tell you that I do too much for people. As you walk through my page, as I, as I posted things yesterday, we have a gun store in range, three of them. And somebody came in and stole a gun and broke a case and took that gun. We found out who he is because we have access to all sorts of technology. It's 2022. And so we put it out there, and within hours, we knew exactly who this young man was. And I made the mistake. I made the mistake of looking through his Facebook profile and seeing what this kid was back in 2014. And I was like, oh, my, this guy had big dreams. Somewhere along the line, he took the wrong turn. And you could see his life just fall off a cliff. 
And so I sent him a Facebook message that said, stealing a gun is not like stealing a wrench. You could spend more than 10 years in prison for that. Let me help you not go to jail for the better part of your good years. You're a 24 year old kid. Now, two hours later, he sends me a text message saying, I, you know, I've done a lot of things. I have my legal problems, but this isn't one of them. I didn't steal your gun. And I was like, bro, I have you on video. I have your truck. I have your girlfriend. Stop lying to me. <laughs> and he came out and said, you're right. I took it and I'll get it back to you. And I was like, look, redemption's a really hard thing. In my, in my life, I've made mistakes. The difference between me and most people is that I own them. I wear all of that out very transparently. 2006, I hired this guy. He wrote up some stuff for me and did all of my legal work. He was the, the right hand that helped me with those things. And I quickly discovered over time that, you know, he was a smooth talker. I also had got defrauded out of $10.5 million, had millions of dollars stolen from me, mismanaged people in capital and lost two companies. That happened. Coincidentally enough, it aligned with hiring people like Randy Ankeny. Now here's something else you should know. The case against Randy Ankeny was sealed. So you could get access to the, had a, 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 a child abuse deal if we could get access to it, which I couldn't because I didn't have the tools to do it, nor did I have the sophistication at that point to think about that. I wasn't jaded yet enough that I didn't trust everyone that walked through the door. I think life was different back in 2006. Heck, I didn't even get on Facebook until 2008. I didn't even use it until 2009 or 2010 to any significant level. I don't think anybody did. But when I found out who this guy was, I fired him. And they say, you should know better. You know, it is always the people that throw the stones the furthest that judge people. So I said, listen, I told Mr. Producer, I was like, look, let's do a, let's do a Q&A on Joe Altman. Let's figure out who Joe Altman is. Let's talk about the radical left attacking me with impunity. Let's talk about the fact that they filed another, this, this, this uh, man, woman, whatever you want to call it, that is, works for the blaze. Is it the blaze? No, it's the, the Daily Beast. That talked about the fact that it'd be okay if Lyra Gonzalez died. She's a journalist. Didn't like the fact that I called her out for being an accessory to murder. Now, we didn't know that he was alive. But I cleaned that up a couple, several days later coming after me, sending an attorney after me to go after me for slander because I said, and she, he, she, whatever it is, got uh, threats. But the attorney for that deal has had, I think, two or three admonishments by the state attorney deal. We don't talk about that. No, no, no. We spend all of our time attacking the truth tellers attacking the people that live their life and their faith. We send the evil over there just to maybe shake them as if somewhere along the line, I'm maybe going to change who I am. Or maybe I crawl and, I, and I, I do what they do when they bully people and think, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to walk away. Oh, I feel shame. I don't feel any shame. 
I don't feel any shame. I am ashamed. I am disappointed. I'm disgusted. Because we can't talk about the things that are, that are true. We have to create an environment where we slander and bully and lie about people. No, that's, that's, that's the way the left operates. You have Sussman that's on trial for doing something to Clinton or doing something with Clinton in order to sully the name of Trump. Ran around saying that he was this bad guy. Called him a pedophile for being associated with Jeffrey Epstein. Used that time even though he cut it off. I cut it off. I cut off the ability to have someone like that work for me. And consequently, the person he ran around with was one of the people that was stealing money from my company. We don't always make the right decisions. We learn from some of the most catastrophic things that happen in your life. But to, 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 to say that I'm a bad man for hiring someone, giving them a chance. So I responded to those people that attacked my character immediately. After someone walked in my office and says, you know, normally Joe, I'd say turn the other cheek. I don't want to turn the other cheek. I shouldn't have to turn the other cheek. But in this case, I, I wanted to address more than just that. So let's go through and figure out who Joe is. Well, we've already talked about the fact that I paid for an abortion and that I'm 100% pro-life and that that changed me forever. I also talked about the fact that I grew up poor. I sold drugs at 16. Should we keep going? I used to love the fight all the time. I have two kids. I was a coach for 14 seasons for soccer for my son, and I never played soccer, so I had to learn. So I learned to play soccer, going to play for a men's league, studied books, and then went and taught my, taught my son to play soccer. Of those 14 seasons, seven years that I coached my son, we were the champs five out of the seven years. I never missed a soccer match. I didn't miss fencing for my daughter. I was always there. And I used to tell my kids, listen, you have to have a little bit of grace for people because people are not always going to be where you want them to be. Accept people where they are, not where you want them to be, and you'll live a happier life because you're not judging people. But this is bigger. This is, this is how, do we, how do we do as much as we can to destroy good people and I've seen it over and over and over again. I mean, I see the attacks that came on Seth Keschel. I see the attacks that came on Mike Flynn. I see the attacks that came on Mike Lindell. It's constant attacks on good people while bad people do bad things. And they create chaos and fill their coffers. I don't need validation that I'm a good man. That's not why I'm having this conversation with you today. I'm having this conversation with you today because I can feel the pain that people have to on an ongoing basis that pushes them to disconnect from people around them. Good, keep, but good people are, are in that place where they don't want to come forward. How many whistleblowers would we have if they weren't in fear of what people would do to them? Where are our elected leaders today that are so afraid of that compromise that was pushed against them that they will not stand up for the American people? Where are we? And, and why is it, why is it that they can create a story 
and people will bite off on that story that takes away common dignity. It's, this, isn't a, this isn't an uncommon story. This isn't, this isn't just this is happening to Joe Oltman. No, no. This is, this is what happens when weak-minded people decide that they didn't get enough, that the coattail didn't take them far enough. They feel entitled. They feel like they should get more. They feel like they should silence someone that is speaking truth and is a good person because there's an envy level that you can't even understand. That's how bad people operate their lives. They operate their lives that way. I choose not to. You know, turning the other cheek for me is not easy. Because frankly, I want to just fight everyone. And, I, and, I, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the opportunity I had to go to Alaska. But there's more to this. There's the lavish lifestyle. Living a lavish, Joe's living a lavish lifestyle. That, you know, he's, got a, he's, he's buying a house in Texas. I bought a house in Texas so that I could get away from all of the literal physical attacks. After nearly 18 months of having personal security detail live in my home. See, that is the reality. That's not hyperbole. Because I decided that I wanted to stand up, stand up for truth. I didn't get arrested for a DUI. I didn't run into a building. I didn't do any of those things. Now, so I blew up companies catastrophically in 2007, right after this. And I went straight on to doing stuff in my faith. I, I literally went from that to, can I go work over in the Middle East and Africa? By accident, I ended up over there. By accident, like I tripped, fell over, and ended up in Saudi Arabia. It's not an exaggeration. That's pretty much how it happened. And while I was there, I got to meet some really interesting, great people, people that are leaders. And I had paradigm crash after paradigm crash after paradigm crash, because in the United States, you were taught to hate Muslims. They were bad. They blew, they blew up the World Trade Centers. And that's true, by the way. That's true. See, a lot of things can be true at the same time. This is why I dig into the Ukraine and Russia issue is because we don't, life is more complicated than Democrat or Republican. Is it not? Are we all in the same place with the same experience? I, I, would, I would venture to say we're not. And this is going to be an interesting podcast because I'm not going to bring you anything other than facts about me and what's really happening and where my experience lied. So if it's boring and it doesn't matter, then you can tune out. Before I go any further, because I still have to do this on the podcast, I hope it's interesting enough that people listen to it. If it's not, then great. We, we will not have people listen to it. This podcast is brought to you by IP Vanish. You're tired of knowing that someone's always watching you on the internet. Maybe advertisers know a little bit too much about you or concerned about the privacy of your identity. IP Vanish helps you safely browse the internet without exposing your private details to third parties such as hackers, your ISP, or advertisers. When you use IP Advantage on your computers, tablets, and phones, even your Fire Stick, when you're streaming media, it will shield your private details, passwords, communications, browser, history, and more, and completely shield you from going into the wrong hands. IP Advantage makes you virtually invisible online. You can use it on limited devices without sacrificing speed, and um, whether or not you're at home or in public. So don't go online anymore without using IP Vanish. 
IPVanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. It's like getting nine months for free. It's super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know what's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you watch, you search for, or you buy. Go to ipvanish.com slash daily and use promo code daily and claim your 70% off. Okay. There are many of you that actually believe that our government was complicit in the blowing up of the World Trade Center. There's information that would lead you to believe that buildings could not have fallen the way that they did. Now, am I supposed to believe that everyone is in the same place in that, that, that everyone went down that rabbit hole? I would, I would venture to say that's not true, that many people didn't go down that rabbit hole. Many people don't believe that. I don't have an opinion because, frankly, I didn't want to get to the bottom of it. Much like others, I didn't want to go down the rabbit hole because I didn't want to know, really. So I spent six and a half years in the Middle East and Africa, Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, Sudan, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, Lebanon, Syria, Egypt. I went all over the place. I did some crazy stuff, hung out with crazy people, learned Arabic, I taught myself flying back and forth. It, it was fun. I enjoyed it. I was good at it. I negotiated in some really, really awful places. I've slept on the floor of a mud hut. I've sat in a circle and eaten what looked like spit in a bowl. <laughs> the only thing that they had, and yet I, was, I, I had to eat it. I've gone into villages where the only thing that they had that was alive were people because they'd eaten every insect, every animal. They didn't have a dog. They ate it. They got hungry and they ate it. This is the reality. I, I went over and built pit latrines, got involved in, in organizations like Youth for Christ International, where I sat on the president's board for five and a half years, president's advisory board for five and a half years. I, I used to walk into uh, AIDS villages, and they're villages where young, young ladies that have AIDS get together, and, or HIV positive, excuse me, not AIDS. And these are young girls, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. I wrote white papers that, that validated some of the work that wasn't being done over there that we were being lied to about. Save Darfur, that's bull. Ethnic cleansing and genocide in, Sudan, in, in Darfur, Sudan. All right, I could do a whole story on that thing. The comprehensive peace agreement between North and South, excuse me, uh, Sudan and South Sudan. We could talk about the Abia district and how that was uh, one of the biggest, most natural resources in Sudan, how they suppressed earnings and value of that oil. You have $2 billion, $3 billion in oil, they would suck out of the ground for $300 million. The conflicts that were created by Western influences and people in the United States, how the State Department would influence and create sanction nations because they were able to get things out of that country for less money, how it was all about money and power. I was right in the middle of it. I'd write white papers and they're like, take your name off it, Joe. Just turn this in, take your name off of it. I got to see corruption up front and personal. And frankly, I didn't even care. I was just there to help. And I was having a great time. And I was building models and doing things and using things called XBML, business model language, in order to build out sophisticated systems that allowed for people to solve complex problems in environments in different countries. Where they would go over and say, we need to spend $20 million on this. And I was like, well, you can fix it with a washer. Not really. That's not. But the equivalent of $20 million or 100 grand. Building models that, you know, helped people 
and again, I was not allowed to give advice to sanctioned nations. You're not allowed to walk into a sanctioned nation. So you have to get, you know, Office of Foreign Asset Control. You have to get their approval. You have to get State Department approval in order to help people there. And I, I remember like sitting there going, the, the solution is so obvious, yet I can't tell you about it. And so I got to go over here and talk to someone else and tell them this is a solution in this other country. And then just hope that the telephone game got that down to a place where it would save lives in that country. And I wasn't forced out of working in the Middle East and Africa. It's not like somebody woke up one day and said, hey, listen, we're, I got this great idea. We're going we're gonna to, Joe, you, you're just not very good at this. No, God's given me some amazing talents. I can build things. Like, I'm really good at it. I'm good at math. I'm ridiculous at building math. Ridiculous. And then implementing those, those things in places. Sorry, it's, it's not me being boastful. It's me telling you that this is a gift that I've given that, that literally has helped me be successful all of my life. And so I, I would go into areas and I would fix things and I would leave. But then my daughter went to high school. Now, keep in mind, in the middle of all this stuff that I did over in the Middle East, after, by the way, this guy that worked for me, who is a pedophile, he, he I mean, he, he legitimately sexually assaulted a 14-year-old. I've still never seen the case. Back in 2006, I've still never seen it. But the way the radical left and those on the right that just try to hurt people, try to frame it, is that this is my right-hand man. That, from 17 years ago, 16 years ago. They dig up things and say, oh, this catastrophic failure, we are going to use that to sully your name. You go talk to my kids. You go talk to my wife. You go talk to my family. You go talk to anybody in my life, and they could say that I would ever do anything to victimize a woman, a child, a man, anyone. They can't because I would never do it. I would never even think about doing it. That is how I've lived my life. But I went over there and I got this message. And this is, this is some private stuff. This is the stuff that somebody said, hey, one time, you should write a book about this, Joe. Any one chapter in your life is pretty amazing. And I was like, no, I don't really want to write a book. I've had some massive things happen in my younger days. I, I've, I've done, you know, things I'm not proud of. Never killed anyone, thank God. Never done anything to violently against another. But things in my life, I mean, selling drugs was probably tops it off. Never did them, but sold them. Big stuff, like not standing on a corner, but somebody would take me a pack. I guess I was a mule. Call me a mule. Never got caught. That's the difference between me and, you know, probably a thousand other people that, frankly, don't enjoy the same opportunities I have because they have that mark on their record, which is why I wanted to help that kid that stole the gun. I'm like, listen, your, your life is, the next 10 years, you're going to be, you know, your prime is gone. Before you know it, you're spending that time in prison. My heart hurt for him, even though he did something wrong against me. But I got this call when I was sitting in an airport, and I just got done meeting with um, Al Jazeera. I was at Al Jazeera meeting with Sam El Haj, Guantanamo Bay prisoner 345. And he was released from Guantanamo Bay after, I think, five years. 
and I'm and I'm there and I'm asking him questions about it. And frankly, I'm paradigm crash, paradigm crash. This meek guy who was a cameraman who happened to be in Iraq was picked up, swooped up, sent over to sent to in the net to uh, Guantanamo Bay. He was finally released. He was still a soft-spoken guy. And I sat and talked to him, and I got back to the back to the airport, and I get this message from my daughter's school. She went from straight A's to C's and D's. She was a freshman in high school. And they said, your daughter is always worried that you're going to die. She's worried every day that you're not here that you're going to die. And frankly, when I was over there, I hadn't experienced failure like this before in my life. I mean, I didn't think I could fail. I was like, man, everybody thinks I'm the golden child. I just ho-hum my way through the world, hang out with pro athletes and, you know, hang out with my kids and just have a good time. And I was life of the party. Turned out that that wasn't the things that were most important to me. And, and that, by the way, this, this is actually when my faith began. This is when my journey with Jesus truly began. I always believed in God, but it wasn't until that catastrophic failure that my life slowed down long enough that I could examine who I was. So when I sat in that airport and I listened to that message, I looked at my partners at the time, both sides, and I was like, I got to take a sabbatical. I think I'm done. And they're like, well, well how long? And I was like, I don't know. See, my son, daughter... About seven years. <laughs> Everyone thought I was kidding. Like, what do you mean seven years? You're going to disappear for seven years? Yeah, I think I'm going to go home. And we, we had a family, you know, we, we turned our house. We had a really nice home. We turned it into an event center. We planted a bunch of churches. We'd done things to help other organizations. You know, it, it, literally servant mentality. Like this is, how do we serve? We, we epitomized it, my wife and I, and my children. Like we, we served, we, we would go buy 20 boxes of peaches and take it to the, 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 uh, shelter downtown Denver. They, that was the peach guy every year when they had Palisade peaches. If you're in Colorado, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but we would every year do that. And we would volunteer and do things where my kids could understand that they had more than anyone else. So I could ground my children. One day I should have my daughter on because she certainly can tell the, the part of the story that is not my story. But I went home, and I went from the guy that met with all sorts of people, presidents, kings, you know, terrorist group people. <laughs> I would meet with all sorts of people. And, I, and every time I met with them, I was like, they're like, do you want to meet this person? I was like, sure, let's go. <laughs> and, and, and the reason why that's nuts is because I never said no. Hey, Joe, can you work on this? Yep. Hey, Joe, what do you think of this? Hey, what do you think of Jeffrey Sachs and the Millennium Project? And so I was like, I don't know. Let's go visit them. And by the way, for those of you that don't know, the Millennium Project is a project that Jeffrey Sachs built to, to eliminate poverty. There was supposed to be Millennium Villages that were going to do all this commerce and eliminate poverty in Africa. I think they raised, I don't know what the number was, but like seven, six, seven billion dollars. Only it wasn't true. There was no economic activity happening in those villages at all. It was all a sham. And so I remember getting a phone call back in the day, and I would, you know, I'd like, I, you know, I'm not that bright. <laughs> and I was on BBC, and I go, this is not right. What they're doing in the Millennium Project is not real. And I remember getting involved in, they'd asked me to write an analysis on 
on uh, World Vision. And I'm not going to tell you what I thought here, but I, they, had, they had spent so much money in this place called Kibera. This is when my heart hardened towards certain nonprofits and NGOs. And, and I did it for years, right? I'd come in, do my job, and leave. I'd watch pastors come in and sleep with women in those different countries, young girls, and it bothered me. And I remember the, the letter. I still have the letter that somebody wrote me. It said, you're an honorable man, Joe. You come here and you do things for us. Thank you. I remember my birthday that I had to spend in, in Nairobi. And they, they said, can you come downstairs? And Mr. Joe had come downstairs, and they threw this birthday party in the middle of the restaurant for me because I had gotten to know every one of them. But that day when I decided that I wasn't doing this anymore, I went home and cut grass at our event center the one we use to plant churches. And that's what I did. <laughs> I cut grass and painted walls and relaxed. I went from this guy that people were like, wow. And, and frankly, I just wanted to work, live my life in my faith. That's it. That's how I wanted to live my life. I wanted to serve Jesus. My wife used to say, like, hey, dude, you're a Bible thumper. Like, what is wrong with you? Like, they, they used to make fun of me. And, and frankly, I'd make fun of myself today, right now. I still do. But I went home and did that. And then my friend called me and said, hey, and I was helping other people. Like people would call me and like, hey, Joe, can you help me? I have this business. Can you give me advice? And I would like give them a book. <laughs> like read this book. Come back and see me. If you read the book and commit to it, I'll help you. To this day, I still do that for people. I still help people build their businesses and help them with their businesses. I, I think that I've probably made more millionaires just by teaching them resilience and how to overcome ob obstacles and objection, objections in their, in their business models. So I've helped people. That's what you do when you're in service of others. And you'd say, all right, Joe, you're, how do you reconcile getting pissed off to the point where you say you want to drag people behind your car until body parts fall off? Have somebody come to your house and try to kill you. See where that gets you. Have somebody attack your wife or your kids. Be the, one of those people that fights. I'm that guy. And I wasn't making it out of this life alive anyway. But I'm sure as hell not going to let somebody come after my family. But going back, a friend called me and said, hey, can you meet me at the pub and have a beer? I'm like, sure. Well, sit down. Sat down with him. He brought a couple problems. I started writing out how I would solve it on a cocktail napkin. And so my company was born. PIN Business Network. PIN means power in numbers. I started that company on a cocktail napkin. I never took a dollar of outside capital, spent a million and a half dollars of my own money, of my own money, and started it and just built the company. <laughs> it was crazy. And walked door to door to businesses showing them how we could leverage data to help different SMB environments, small to medium business environments, while studying with a thirst that is unquenchable in the middle of this, I built Conservative Daily. I was like, all right, let's do this Conservative Daily thing. Let's build up something so people can talk to their congresspeople. And so I did that while I built this company. And I said to myself, 
I kept used to say, I, I used to say, like, God, am I supposed to be doing this? I thought I was supposed to serve others. I thought that I was supposed to stay in ministry and, and work on building an organization that works between Muslims, Christians, and Jews. And, you know, I studied the, the uh, Torah. I studied the Bible, the Gospels, the uh, Quran. So I could see the, the, the similarities. I could bring people to a common place. I did that. I studied what Isa al-Masiyah is, Jesus the Messiah is, and what that meant to Muslims. And some of you might not agree with me on this. And it's okay. We should be able to disagree. But I'm, I highly educated myself on these environments. I spent a lot of time there doing dua. Dua means prayer. Praying with people, Jews, Christians, Hindus. I did all that. I mean, I, the, the things that I could tell you that I did when I'm sat... You ever remember the... I don't know if you guys remember the, the book... Um, three Cups of Tea, I think it is. Isn't it Three Cups of Tea? It's an amazing book. And it was Ted, I don't remember his name is Mr. Producer. Please find it for me. It's Ted, Three Cups of Tea. I read his book and it was amazing. And I'm like, oh, this guy, freaking awesome. Turns out it wasn't true. But I had three cups of tea with lots of people you would say are bad people. <laughs> but the, the premise behind the story, they just had to move it from fiction to nonfiction, nonfiction to fiction. What's that? Go ahead, Mr. Producer. Uh, was it David Oliver or What's Greg Montenson? I don't know. I'll look it up. I'll look it up later. But the point is, is that we, we found ourselves in this place where we found ourselves in this place where I was back in the business world and I hated it. So I spent the first three years not paying myself, living a very meager life, still cutting the grass. So what you guys know, I was still cutting the grass, building my company, right? Pivoting, had a partner, doing great, building up uh, Conservative Daily. And by the way, this is at the same time that you have all these different crashes that are happening mentally, your mental crashes that are happening on your perception of the government, your perception of people in the government, of leadership. The more you read, the worse it gets. You finally say, I don't want anything to do with it. I want to stay away from politics. All right, here's your stuff for, we're going to be pro-life. I, I only had a couple of things that, that were non-starters, conservative daily. I wouldn't do anti-Muslim. I wouldn't do anti-gay. I just had certain things that I just wouldn't concentrate on. And in hindsight, we should have dug into the education system. It probably would have been good. But we didn't. So, so fast forward. Tons of awards. Built the company up. Did great things. Stayed out of the limelight. Just... You know, had to write a bunch of articles about me. It's really great. We were on the fast track. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. 2017. Two years earlier, I had, you know, for, for a while, I disconnected from many parts of my family. I, I stepped away from them. They lived a different life than me. My brothers are bikers. They like to party hard. They, they had a different a biblical worldview. I would say I had a biblical worldview. Maybe they didn't. And so I stepped away. I stepped away from all of it. I just didn't want anything to do with them. So I, there was a, a period of time that was very painful for me because I always told myself that I would just, I would accept my family. I would love on my brothers and sisters. No matter what, I would accept them. And I had family members that, were, that stole money from me. It was crazy. It was the most, and I had done everything for my family. I'd given as much as I possibly could to them. Cars, homes, businesses, you name it. I mean, I was like, whatever, you want to, I can't take it with me. I've always given too much. 
and, and in, in a lot of ways, I feel like I've given too much in this, this whole fight with our country because I can't be, I can't want it more than you. But anyway, go back to that. I spent seven years not talking to my brothers. They hated me. I hated him. I didn't hate him. That's not a, I hated what he had become. And then one day there was a tragedy that happened with my niece and uh, they called me and said, can you help? And I was there within an hour. I forgot all about all the pain that had been caused. And I said, I'm there. And I showed up. And so started the mending of my relationship with my brother. And that was in late 2015, actually. And it was as if I had never left. And the regret of giving up the relationship with my brother and not being an example for them and not loving on them was more than I could bear. And so I asked my brother if he would come work for my company. I did that. And frankly, my brother is a different person. He was, you know, it, it, it's hard to tell a story about your life in such, such terms that you can already understand, you know, what it is that I go through. I, and I don't think that many people have ever done this. I, don't, I, I think Mike Lindell came out and said that he, you know, was a crack addict. He would tell that story. But the most intimate details about your life, I don't, I don't think many people, I don't think many people have the ability to tell the story with, and, and be authentic without going to themselves, wow, that, that was difficult. <laughs> that was difficult. But my brother decided he would come work for me. And he had you know, done stuff in the cell tower business and he kind of floundered a little bit, got a couple of DUIs. And I just told him on the edge of one of the DUIs that he got, which kept him from getting a driver's license, that why don't you come work for us? You have a great personality. Let's try something different. Just come work for this tech company. He's like, all right, I'll do it. And for the first eight or nine months, watching my brother embrace being good. See, there's something that happens when you grow up with this rough mentality that you embrace. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know. You, you know, the, you see the shows on TV where you got the bad boy. Well, the bad boy never wants to be good. My brother was embracing being good until he started getting these outside influences like, oh, look at, look at you. You cut your beard down. You're wearing nice clothes. Oh, you're too good for us. And he started to resent the fact that maybe he wasn't supposed to be good. And so it became this struggle in himself. Like, I wake up in the morning and I don't want to be good. And you get to the point where you're just, you're, it's all good. And then you have a real struggle because people are trying to still get you to do all the things you did before. Remember, my brothers were bikers. My brother was flourishing. Like, well, what does that have to do with it? A year and a half later, my brother died. In 2017, my brother was killed. He was running from the police. Got knocked off a bike at 90 miles an hour, hit a wall, slid into a pole, broke his neck, and died. August 6th, 2017 day I will never, ever forget. I was just getting my time back with my brother, and now I lost him. And frankly, this loss hurt because I'd given up seven years with him. And he worked for my company, and I saw him all the time. And two weeks earlier, I had just seen him, and I had talked to him. 
I had tried to counsel him on, hey, man, come on, you, you got to stop talking to these people, hanging out with these people. He sent me a video in the mail or video of, of President Trump uh, winning the um, winning the election in 2016. And then I, you know, I got, got another message that they got in a fight over President Trump and he lived in the Washington, D.C. area still. And I was like, this is crazy. And he went looking for it. And so the reason, the reason why I bring this up is, that, is, is not because my brother was bad, because my brother was an incredible man. He would give you the shirt off his back. He literally, he would meet someone on a Tuesday, and by Thursday, the Tuesday guy said, hey, yeah, I'm moving on Thursday. And this, is the, this, is the, this is the heart of my brother. I'm moving on Thursday. I don't know what I'm going to do. And l- literally, he would take off work, and he would end up showing up at that person's house, and he would help them move all day. That was my brother. When he died, the progression, the procession was in. There was a lot of motorcyclists. People all over the East Coast knew who he was. Thousands of people showed up for his funeral. The Hearst was a was a uh, Harley Davidson Hearst. I was the first motorcycle behind that procession. Thousands of motorcycles. They blocked the road. It went on for miles. Miles of people showing their respect for my brother. It was devastating. The, the newspapers and the online lied about my brother. They, they, they called him a drug dealer. My brother was never a drug dealer. They said he ran from police because he was doing a little like illegal, illegal activity, but he wasn't. I did a FOIA request. Actually, Max McGuire did the request, did a FOIA request, trying to get access to information. They said it's an ongoing investigation. Into what? My brother was dead. And he was the only person that was there. And so in goes them covering up. And if it wasn't for my friends who were police officers, I wouldn't have gotten to the bottom of it. Then there was having to listen to the, the conversation. And why it's important is because this was the first time that my faith had been shaken. And it was a dark time for me for a year and a half, and I still never put myself in a place where I'd be ashamed of who I am. I drank a lot, got on my motorcycle. It was the time of my life that literally I had gone back to what I was when I first went to the Middle East and Africa, that I had failed, and I had failed my brother. I'm doing a podcast right now about my greatest failures. And hiring a guy that I didn't check out does not, it pales in comparison to the other things in my life that I regret. And for a year and a half, I had to snap out of it. My wife and I have been together 20 years. I was married previously. I have two beautiful children. We have two beautiful children. I live my life in my faith. I honor my wife. I honor my relationships. But in that time, that, that year and a half after my brother died, man, it was tough. I actually never had a beard until then. I've kept a beard to honor my brother since then. 
And it got to the point at one point, I, my beard was down to here. It was, it was really bushy. And my wife said, I don't like who you've become. And then while I was on a trip, engrossed in my business, my wife decided she couldn't take it anymore, that I was going to end up killing myself. So she left. I had driven my wife away. What was worse is that a month after my brother died, my other brother, one that I've known since he was five, he was my brother's best friend. So not blood brother, but he was my brother. I moved him, his wife, and at the time, their four kids, turned out to be five kids, into my home. And he had, he had lived a life, and, and this is something, he had lived in the, in the ghetto. Sorry, that's what it was. He lived in the ghetto. And I took him out of the ghetto, and I moved him to Colorado, and I was like, I, give, I want you to take my brother's job. And I want to give you a better life. And so I did. I moved an entire family in there. And in all that, I forgot about my wife. Because I just wanted to save him. I, I needed to save someone. Not myself, but just save someone. And so I had to reprogram him. And in the middle of reprogramming him, I lost everything that was important to me for a minute. Moved him into their own home. He still works for that company. He's doing amazing. You know, I have six kids. Whew, that's a tough one. Six kids. But he's doing well. Now, here's the thing you need to know about my friend, my brother, is that when he was a kid, when he was 18, he got picked up for a drug charge. He was a felon. So I had to go to the, the executive team when I hired him back in 2017, and I had to ask them, give him the entire circumstance. He's been clean for 20 years. He's lived a great life. He's grown poor because, frankly, he didn't get a second shot. And so not getting a second shot stopped him from having opportunity. Can we hire him? I let them, one, one no based on things that have happened in the past, not making sure that we check people out thoroughly because we have more tools today. And I knew him. Can we give him a chance? And they all said yes. And here, five years later, going on five years, he's still there. And he's doing great. And he's got six kids. And his wife is amazing. And so when my wife left when I was out of town and said, I can't deal with it anymore, I had to find a way to redeem what she saw I was heading down, that, that I lacked, locked respect for myself, that I'd go have a couple drinks and I'd get on my motorcycle and drive 100 miles an hour down the road. I, I, I don't feel shame at all for the things that I've done in my life because I've always lived my life authentically. So if you want to take shots at me, go ahead, take, take shots. Take as many shots as you want. You're welcome to. But I know who I am. And reputation is a thing that man can screw up and character is a thing that God judges you by. And people are going to take shots at people because they like hurting. They enjoy it. They enjoy hurting people. So now let's go through the last 20 years of what I've done. I served on the board for multiple organizations. I was one of the most active board members that worked on 
refugees coming to the United States, making sure they had jobs, that they were, you know, that they were well taken care of, feeding families. I worked with the incarcerated youth program, of which I, I was talking about this on a podcast the other day about this text message I got from one of the kids that I mentored who said, I just want to thank you for bringing me through the process. He now has two kids. He's married. He's doing really well. All four of the kids, three, three, four, four of the kids, three and a half of the kids that I mentored are all doing well. And I took the hard cases. You, you can walk down the line and look at the things that I've served in my life and then look at the fruit of my labor with my two children. And all of this happened, by the way, when my life wasn't perfect. Because how many of your lives are perfect? No, no, most that cast stones, they live in a house where they hide. They hide their indiscretions. Those are, by the way, where a lot of the bad people hide. The criminals, the rapists, the pedophiles, the murderers, they hide. The people that do bad things to other people, that steal money and do all those things, those are the people that hide. The ones that are right out in front and personal and are willing to tell you everything about themselves because at, that, at what point does it matter? And you say, well, Joe, why are you addressing it then? I'm addressing it because it's necessary. It's, it's necessary to address it. When someone comes out and says, you made a bad hiring practice, you should have known better. You hired a guy that, that had inappropriate sexual relationship with a 14-year-old. And I would tell you, I did hire that person. But I wasn't that person. That's not who I am. But I'm still the guy that'll give a felon a, a, a chance. But I didn't even know he was a felon. But that's not, what they, that's not the story they want to sell. See, the story they want to sell is how do they muddy and sully and destroy people to other good people? How do they create an image that's not true? How do they do things to prop themselves up to give themselves relevancy. So how can I get more people to watch my podcast? I know. I'll just go after Joe Oltman. He's a firebrand. Oh, God help the person that I go after. Because at that point, at some point, I told you before, if I go score shirts on someone, it's because I finally got to the end and I'm done. And thank God that I went on the thing to Alaska because I was ready to light somebody up before I left. And I went to Alaska, came back, and I was like, all right, they're going to try me again, but I feel pretty good. I'm right down here. I, I'm, I'm not going to apologize for my life. I've lived a good life. Challenging, but a good life. But when I made the decision to come forward and say, oh, my gosh, this is what I learned. Some people would say, oh, you did it for publicity. For what? I already had it. If publicity was important to me, I would have kept my mouth shut and gone on to be the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year, not finalist, but winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. And people were talking to me like, Joe, you'll win this if you just please shut up. Nope, can't do it. I would have never gotten involved in everything happening to reopen Colorado. I would have never gotten involved in helping other organizations start the reopen movement in their state. I would have never dug in and started, you know, researching the things that happened with the vaccine. I didn't even care about the, the election, honestly. I didn't care about it. We talked a little bit about it on the podcast that we did under Joe Otto. I mean, I didn't even want to do the podcast. I mean, when Max was here, I probably missed 60% of the podcast. 
And I was busy. I had stuff that I had to do. You go handle your stuff and then come back in and, and I'll come in and pop in. Many of you would say, I wish you would have been here more. Maybe, maybe. There, there, is, there is a place by which people make decisions. And typically that's made on some sort of ethical line. Like what is your barometer? My barometer is pretty easy. My barometer is set on things I can see. You know, the, the, the young, young men that work for me inside the company, they're good young men. I had a guy live in my house for 18 months as my personal security detail. I found out he was a savant. I'm like, hey, you need to, we need to get you doing something else. I mean, it's great that you could protect me. But you're way too smart for that. This is not, this is not where your life begins and ends. This is, this is yet just a door that opened for you. And that guy's name is Apollo. He's been on here. Super smart. Jake Frejo came from Project Veritas. Before that, he was highly successful inside of real estate. Got picked up for beating up Antifa. They threw the book at him, doxed him everywhere, made it impossible for him to go anywhere, and he's on the team. The, the, the envy of others and how they can just lash out and attack people is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Well, here's what I'm going to tell you. Number one, it, it should only be about truth. It should only be about truth. And if you want to judge me, judge me on the things that I've done, things that I've stood up for. If you want to judge me for hiring that guy in 2006, do so. You are welcome to. People that, that care don't matter and people that matter don't care. And I'm going to rename this, learn about Joe Oltman. But I'm going to continue to do what I do. I'm going to continue to honor those people around me. I'm going to continue to work hard, wake up in the morning early, go to bed late. I'm going to seek accountability for the 2020 election. I'm going to follow through on the lawsuit. Somebody asked, Joe, did you read the 136 pages from this? Max said, I'm trying to do everything I can to distance myself from you, Joe. I'm thinking to myself, okay, distance yourself. Because that's what you do when you, when you want to validate yourself and hurt others. That's what you do. But you didn't for eight years. And frankly, you, you, the, the throwing knives at other people is just a leftist tactic, and it's not of Jesus. It's not. But if that's all you have, then God bless you. Go do that. Go do that. At some point, you're going to have to answer for who you are. I'm, gonna, I'm perfectly good answering with who I am. I wanted to take some callers, but I don't know if we can. What do you think, Mr. Producer? Uh, uh, there we go. Yeah, sorry. I just uh, knocked over the fan. All right. Uh, we, can, we can take callers. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I did, yeah. <laughs> also, you didn't shout out the other guy that's here? Who? This guy. I'm not done with you yet. Okay, let me fix the fan. All right, so you just turned off my mic. All right, you turn, you fixed the fan, and you, tur you turned me off. 
All right, so, so Zach wants me to talk about him, so I'm going to talk about him. No, 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 that's good, because I wanted to see what you'd say. I can see him through the, the, the window, by the way. So uh, Zach went to Hillsdale. Kid is ridiculously smart, played football there, and uh, is probably one of the most um, sensitive people I've ever met, like super sensitive to other people. In other words, he'll walk up and give you a hug. He's like, hey, I'm going to give you a hug. And he sees that like you're not having a good day. He will, he will seek you out. He lives his life in his faith, 100%. And when he came on board here, he had, he had volunteered in some other areas. He had some other opportunities. And he's like, I want to do this. And so he is, he is here. He's the first one here in the morning. He's the last person to leave. Um, yeah, he's an amazing young man. And so don't hold it against him that, you know, he's sensitive. Sensitive is a good thing. And if anyone yeah. wants a, a date, let me know. Very single. Oh, he is single, too. He is single, but he is looking for uh, – why don't you put yourself on video, Zach, so people can see you. Nah. Good-looking kid. Come on, come on, put yourself up there. I'd have to do uh, – nah. <laughs> He's like, give me a little bit more time. Give me a little more time. Um, for, the, for the single women, uh, he is he – is, available. Um, I tried to connect him with my daughter, by the way. It's kind of a, yeah, I tried to, what do you think? I invited her to New Year's for, for what reason exactly? Because we were having a good time. <laughs> Uh-oh. Stu says, let's see you, Zach. Uh, Come on, Zach. Let people see you. All right. He's going to let see you. For those that are on the audio version, Zach is going to um, put up his, uh, dating profile here in a minute on <laughs> on the show all right briefly so, briefly real quick here, here you we go. go ready here's a zach there's zach <laughs> i'm gonna freeze it take a picture of it put it down in the comment section now um I, look i'm i'm open for any other questions you might have but i'm but i'm going to tell you that when, when, you, when you attack someone that is literally in the fight all day long, that's all they do is stay in the fight. I mean, all day long. They're in the fight. They're consistently fighting, constantly fighting, getting attacked from every angle. And then you decide to join that fight and you start, you start to break down and, and attack someone for it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not good with it. I'm not good with it. And so I'm going to address it once. And then from that point on, I won't address it. I'll just put in this, the, the, the URL for this podcast, and you can go spend the time to listen to it. So you can call in if you want. I guess I'll take two calls before we wrap up, two or three calls, and you can call in and ask me a question. You can ask me a question, I'll answer it. 100% I'll answer it. This is kind of a weird podcast. We, 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 we literally sidelined all the problems that are happening in this country to address something that I shouldn't have to address. Yeah, I think part of the thing that people don't see is like you actually care and that's why you wanted to talk about it. Like you you want us to know. Yeah, so I don't derive my experience from um, a PhD. I would derive my experience from living it and I've lived a ridiculous life. I would say, and I've said this before, the fact that I'm even still here amazes me. <laughs> well, don't leave. We love you here. Oh, we got. All right, we have a caller. Just dry him. Just put him in. You gonna put him in? 
Okay, so, so here, here's a question for all of you. Curious about what brought this on. Okay, so uh, somebody play, put something on the internet um, who is aligned with Max, and Max decided that he was going to post it and then start questioning my integrity and saying, if I would have ever known that he hired a person that was a sex offender, then um, I would have never worked, for, worked with him. Again, doing as much as he can to sully my name, cause damage, cause pain, cause hurt. So that's, you're going to have to go back and listen to the rest of it. But that's how it all started in 2006. And then the little band of idiots that surround that then say, well, you should have known better. Um, we didn't have the same tools in 2006 that you have today. So having full access to that information, especially in a case that I guess apparently was sealed, so I, and it still is sealed. So I'm, I'm curious as to who inside the government told this person about that particular case, although they brought up a, a news article. Um, I, don't, I, I didn't spend a lot of time reading a whole lot of news. I didn't spend a lot of time doing anything other than hanging out with my kids and working. So is that, I hope that answers that question. Okay, so what else do we got? Zach, you going to put someone up? Uh, I think she's on the call. All right, you there? Hi, this is Joe. Thanks for calling. Are you there? She's not on. I think we're having. I think we're having phone issues again. I don't think so. Well, wait, wait, wait. There wait. we go. Are you there? Are you there? Oh, we got her. Oh, we got her. You there? Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead. Uh, I catch your. Okay, we're breaking up a little bit. Okay. There we go. Turn her down a little bit. Almost every day. But I, I just want to tell you something that somebody told me one time. They don't read what people write about them, and they don't listen to what people say about them. Because the written part usually winds up in the bottom of the birdcage. Right. And sometimes people's words are just useless. Yeah. And so you do a lot of good. And, and those that are attacking you, it's, it seems to be the same ones all the time. They're, they're unhappy where they're at in their lives. And, and you shouldn't have to apologize for your life. We listen to you because you put out truth. Um, I think I can speak for everybody with me that listens to you. You're a good guy, Joe. You're a good guy. I, I've never met you. But you're a good guy, and I can tell that by, by the quality that you put out. And I always said, if you would put God first, he would take you above everybody else out there. So oh. don't let these other people get to you. Well, I stay, think it stay on that path that God put you on, I th I think and that he'll the, exalt you. I think the problem that I have is that, that people walk people off cliffs all the time because they enjoy seeing the misery of others. And, and that's true, but it's because it's because they can't find their happy place in their own lives, and, and so you are not the keeper of everybody else's life. Right. Get over. We've all done stupid things. I could write you a book about it, but but we can't keep judging people on things that they've done in the past, or or even looking at you, people that you've hired in the past. 
you know, uh, I've been there too. I hired people that totally ripped me off. They left my jobs in shambles. But that wasn't the reflection on me because I came back and fixed it. The same with you. You're a good man. Don't listen to what these other people are telling you. Just push forward with what God's got you to do. And when you push forward with what God has for you to do, God's going to leave those other people in the dust, and they won't be able to say anything about you. Well, I think I think that the hard part about this is that I, I built an application that is used on the dark web to, to catch pedophiles. <laughs> so I, I built mm-hmm. that program that scrapes and finds... IP address and people that are both victims and and so and Max knows this about me. I mean, yeah. everyone knows the things that I've done that have been in my that have been in my circle as far as the things that I'm passionate about. And so to put stuff out there like that is just it's it's insulting. It's insulting because you know I I used to own back when I had full control of my companies. I, I owned 100. percent Nobody ever put any money in it except for me. And yet I gave away parts of my company to other people so that they could, so that when we got to the finish line, that there would be, there'd be a way that everyone was able to benefit from it. I've never, never been, been run by money. I've never been motivated by money. And the things that I've done in my life have been like, okay, well, God will bless you. you I tithe. God will bless you if you bless others. And so I've lived my life that way. And so it, it, it hurts to have them use such flamboyant stuff. Actually, I'm not sure it hurts. I I think I'm just disappointed. Yeah. I I do realize that, Joe. But the people that know a lot about you, they may know things that you have created. But when certain people left your show, your show went up quite Mm. a few notches. And that is just my opinion. I mean, I used to watch back then, too. And it's like, there would be many times i just turn it off because I would just get ticked. Yeah. And it's like, why? why? By oh. notches. Just keep doing what you're doing. Just let God direct it. They will one day have to answer to God for their words. I agree. I'll have to answer Just for mine, too. Just let it too, roll off of your back like a duck <laughs> Yeah. Pardon me? I said I'll have to answer for mine, too. I've, I've, had, I've had some... Uh, yeah, we all will. Yeah. We all will. But don't, don't, don't let those other people interfere with the path that God's put you on, because that's all they're trying to do. Yeah. Well, it, it was, it was kind of like therapy to come out here and tell you guys all this stuff, by the way. It's kind of awesome. Well, it was awesome <laughs> for us, too, because we got to know you a little bit better. Yeah. So, so thank you. Thank you for sharing your life with us. Well, thank you for calling, and God bless you. It. All right. Is that it, Mr. Producer, on calls? We have another caller? Okay, we have another caller. Uh, we have about seven or eight. Yeah. We're trying to get them. Oh, seven or eight callers. Okay, well, this is going to be fun. Well, the, the audio version should be pretty amusing at some point in this deal. I mean, hopefully you guys thought it was worth the time that I took. I, was, I want to be clear that I'm not justifying who I am. I'm just telling you about me. Like if you want to know, I just told you. I mean, it, you could write a book on the things that I've done wrong in my life. You could probably write a bigger book on the things I've done right. And I haven't always done the right thing. I have not always done the right thing. 
And, but I've always had that spirit of how do you serve? How do you serve? My, you know, my, my mother is, uh, we're not gonna talk about my mother. I'll start crying. What? Go ahead. Let's put another caller on. Who do we have on with us? I think, I think, I think I'm up. Um, What's your name? My name is Jody, Joe. And hey, Jody. I wanted to, let me turn you down here. Oh, sorry. Um, I had a question and a comment. Okay, I'll um, turn you down too. You're kind of loud. Question my question is, I might have, hold on a second here. I might have missed the uh, end of the story, but I'm hoping. Did did you and your wife reconcile? Oh yeah, I didn't even tell that story. Yes, we reconciled. Twenty years still together. <laughs> oh good, praise yes. the Lord. I'm happy yeah. to hear that. Um, I just yeah. want to tell you, I I so appreciate your heart. But I wanted to tell you, just having gone through different kinds of betrayal in my own life, one of the things that I've realized is that every time we go through something like that, um, I just think about how Jesus was betrayed by Judas. And I think every time we go through a betrayal, it helps us understand our Savior more and relate to Him more and, and reflect Him more. So I just wanted to give you that encouragement. Yeah, that, you know, that it's interesting. I mean, I'm not Jesus, but I sure have had my share of betrayals. I think we all have, right? It hardens you, too. Right. I mean, it does create some hardening, right? It and does. That you, that you hope that you, d- you don't yeah. have to go through, but unfortunately, it's it's just a part of life. It's part of the, the learning process. But um, Right. As yeah. is forgiveness, too. I mean, I think the other thing is, the hard, and one of the hardest things, I think, is forgiving the people that have betrayed us. But I feel like God commands us to do that, too, and that really sets us free well, when we I, can forgive. I agree. And as you forgive, you have to ask for forgiveness. So I've spent the better part right. of my life yeah. being like, ah, that, that sucked. I shouldn't have done that. I mean, even to people on the team. Yeah. Like when I say something that's sharp, I can come back and go, all right, I'm sorry. I should not have said it that way. Right, Zach? What do you think, Zach? <laughs> they've, heard, they've heard me get passionate more than once, and I have to come back and go, all right, so listen, this is what I meant by it. I apologize. So, but it's that humility awesome. that I think. Well, yeah. yeah. It's, um, and it doesn't mean that you trust somebody, again, who betrays you, but you can no. forgive them. You know? Yes. So anyway, I just wanted to encourage you and just tell you I appreciate your heart and all that you're doing and just for being a man of courage and character. Oh, thank They're you. They're few God and far you. between. Thank you. God bless you too, Joe. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks for calling. We have another one, or am I? Can we? I'm I'm good if we if we don't. We're good. Okay. All right. We have we have someone that just dropped off. So listen, I want to I want to take a minute and just thank you all. Right. So this has been kind of a weird podcast. You, you get to learn a little bit more about me, but um, I would tell you that uh, you know. Life is more complicated than left, right, good, bad. And it's one of the reasons why, I mean, the guy that stole the gun this weekend, I I came out on fire. I came out on fire and then came back to, ah, who is this kid? So um, I think that, uh, I think at some point, you are a sum of all your behaviors. So do I have regrets? Yes, I have regrets. Do I, will I go back and say, I shouldn't have done that? Maybe if I would have had more access to information and understood what I've done it. No, I, pro- I probably wouldn't have done it. But the other side of me is one that wants to believe the greater good of people. 
I think I'm less that way now than I've ever been. And most of it is because of people who have done things to, you call it betrayal, have betrayed. I just, you know, the, the things that, that, that just grow on me is the fact that Jesus knew he'd be betrayed and he still loved on him anyway. That is a little crazy. I don't even know. I mean, that's, that's one part of the Bible story that I go, ugh. Sometimes I wish he would have just dropped some lightning bolts, but he didn't. I don't really believe that. It's all part of the, it's all part of the journey. So we're going to end this podcast because we're out of time, but I'm going to pray. And uh, I'm going to pray for all of you. I'm going to pray for you to, to have um, those things in your heart that literally that you live with, that maybe you have guilt with, that you can let that go. I'm going to pray that, that you have peace in your life. I'm going to pray that you are consistent in your character. And I'm going to pray that you have a hedge of protection around you. Okay. Father God, thank you for the opportunity we have to have this podcast today. And thank you for um, giving me the courage to, frankly, to kind of talk about things that, um, you know, are personal and aren't things that I would typically feel I would want to share. Father, thank you for um, the opportunity to share the story in hopes that it helps others. And, And Father, please, please help the people who are listening that, that they may let go of those things that are painful in their lives. Father, help them to see your love in everything that they do. Help, 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 help our listeners to be consistent in character and to forgive others. You know, the caller was right saying that forgiveness is the hardest thing someone can do. It's, it is very difficult. So, Father, help us to have a spirit of forgiveness and help us that we may live our life in, in, in loving others while also recognizing that sometimes we have to lift up the sword. Father, help us that we may go about our, our daily business and we may accomplish the things that you need us to accomplish or want us to accomplish, that we will have faith but act in that faith. Help us so we can get to the bottom of this 2020 election fraud and that we can stop the fraud going forward. I would just pray that the supernatural would engage and the evil in our society and root it out. Father, please give the strength and courage to our elected leaders and people in positions of power and authority that they may stand up and take a stand and hold the evildoers accountable for stealing our voice. Help us that we may be patient and kind, yet strong and diligent in serving you. Father, please protect our children. Protect, protect our children that they may understand and see past all the rhetoric to truth. And Father, please, please do your will to those that are doing evil. I want them to see the light. But I, but I, but I also, I'm not there yet. I want to be just authentic. I'm not there yet. I, 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 praying for my enemy, I know you say to do that, and I'm praying that you change their hearts. But praying that they can prosper is just not something I can't get myself there, and I'm just admitting that right now. So, Father, I just ask that you work on me as you work on others. And I say these things humbly in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Well, that's it. We're out of time.
If you like us, please subscribe to us on Rumble. We're also on Brighteon. You can go to uh, conservative-daily.com, Rumble, DLive, Cloud Hub, and Frank's Beach. We do go live in Frank's Beach. I'm sorry that I, some people left and they sent me texts like, where'd you go? Stu Peters replaced you. And I'm like, yes, he did. He's right after us. Um, but uh, you can also see the audio version at, at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Podbean, iHeartRadio, and Audible. Um, if you like us, go over give us a five-star review and share it with someone that needs to hear it. Um, you can also subscribe in the um, down below. You, oh, text the word FREEDOM to 89517. Forgot about that. And it, below, you can actually uh, go through and subscribe to the newsletter so you can get the fax blast. Go become a member of Conservative Daily and support the show. You can go to conservative-daily.com and do that. We talked a little bit about the people, People's Chamber of, Chamber of Commerce. Look, that's, that's your deal. It's a part of the FEC United. It's just meant to get everyone together that's on the Patriot side. Everyone wants to talk about the fact that, oh, you're asking us to do so much. Um, yeah. I mean, wh what else are we going to do? Y you say we need tools. We need an environment where we can all stand together. So I build it. And it's a part of FEC United, by the way. So I build it. And then you're like, ah. Oh, you're always selling something. No, I'm not. I have sponsors for the show. I have you. And then I have FEC United. That's it. And by the way, you guys keep buying all the cool stuff. I mean, how many, how many do we turn down, Mr. Producer? Like uh, 10 podcast sponsors a week or something we turn down? And we turn them down because we're like, yeah, that's not, we're not doing that. No, we're not doing that either. And um, so we want to bring you stuff that you're going to buy anyway, that you're going to do anyway that protect you. And we want to build tools and technology that gives you a seat at the table. That's it. And I want to point something else out. I also did this Patriot Ranch and got, I don't know, $800,000 or $1.4 We're $800,000 short. $1.4 million. And I returned every dollar of that when we found out that they had anthrax on the property. And I was like, nope. Actually, we did offer them less. We offered them like, I think a million dollars or something and said, we, we can't in good conscience buy something that has anthrax on it and then returned all that money. So it's being a good steward of the things that God gives you, the tools that he gave you. And so we're, we're going to put that stuff in front of you and it's your opportunity to get involved or not get involved. Yeah, we're, we're really transparent and um, we just really appreciate whoever listens to us. Yeah. Uh, just working here for a short amount of time. Uh, I've noticed how much people care and how much you guys care. And it's awesome, and it motivates me every day. So that's that's single much. Zach, by the way. That's single Zach. Single though. Zach, yeah. <laughs> yes, I am still single. All right. That's it for this episode of Conservative Daily Podcast. God bless you all. I will see you tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. we got a lot of show tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be fire. So I look forward to seeing you then. We have some good guests tomorrow and this week. Until then, God bless you. Kiss your family. And keep doing good work.